Okay, we're going to start today by looking at Lamentations 42.3. Lamentations 42.3. So for those that need to lament because of 42.3. You know what? That wasn't even my idea. Two Hawkeye fans gave me two different ideas, and I thought, you know what? I can't resist. I wasn't even going to say a word. Oh, Somebody's representing in the room. Okay. Now, if I haven't provoked or annoyed you enough, we're going to talk about fasting today. We're going to talk about not eating food for a, for a period of time for spiritual purposes. This is something that we, I think, most of us haven't heard much about in church. We haven't talked much about in church. Um, and yet, it is a gift that God gives us. It's a practice, a tool that we can use. And so we're in a sermon series on fasting. And uh, what we're talking about is how do we fast? What I'd like those of you who, may, who say celebrate your church, I want some of you to consider, can we learn to fast? Can we move forward into 2022? And as 2022 starts, can we learn to fast? Can we move forward to fast? Here's how we're going to do this the next three weeks. I'm going to go through uh, some scripture that makes some points that help us understand why we might fast, what might be accomplished as we fast. I'll do that. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about fasting, just talk about it. And one of the reasons I'm going to do that is that maybe something that's most familiar from the Bible about fasting, a passage that's most familiar about the Bi from the Bible, is this when Jesus says, uh, when you fast, you do it in secret. Don't do it out in front of everybody. You know, do it in secret. Don't do it to get attention to yourself because then when people see what's done in secret, your father, or when your father sees what's done in secret, he will reward you. And many of us have the idea that if we were to fast, we shouldn't tell anybody. We just need to keep it to ourselves. However, right before Jesus said that, he said, when you pray, don't do it in front of everybody. Don't do it to get attention. Do it in secret. And then your father, who, heavenly father, who sees what's done in secret will reward you. But we don't treat that the same way. Like, it's okay when people pray from the stage, even though that's not in secret. It's okay when somebody prays for you, even though that's not done in secret. It's okay when we pray with each other, even though that's not done in secret. It's okay when I say, I'm praying for you. And that actually helps us all learn about it. So we don't fast to get attention from our, for ourselves or to get approval from other people to look impressive somehow. But we can fast and let other people know it. And I think one of the reasons we don't is that we just haven't even heard about people doing it. And we don't know what it's like. So I'm going to talk a little bit from the Bible. I'm going to talk a little bit about fasting. And then I, my hope is that some of us would consider trying to fast. And so each week, I'll give some practical ways that we could try it out. And then also, some of us aren't going to fast. You know, you shouldn't fast if you're still growing. If you're a kid, if you're a, a teenager, that's, you shouldn't really do fast, then fasting from food. Or if you have health concerns or eating disorders or, you know, there are reasons why some of us shouldn't fast. But a number of us could fast from food for a period of time, and we haven't done it or we've hardly done it. And so I want us to consider learning to fast. Now, last week, before I get into this week, last week, what I talked about is in the Bible, there are these stories where 
maybe the whole nation or at least a group of the people of God come together to fast because there is a crisis. There is something massive going on and they just, like I read in Joel, it's like blow a trumpet. We need to call a sacred assembly. We need everyone to fast right now. And then in Joel it says, because it's so bad right now, and on the other side of doing that, on the other side of returning to the Lord and repenting as a community, it's so good. And so there's stories in the Bible where it looks hopeless, the group fasts, and on the other side of it, there's deliverance. I mentioned some stories from, from history from Britain, when the nation called a day of fasting and how it changed, how things changed instantaneously. So one of the reasons we fast is when we're in crisis. When we're stuck, we can fast to move forward. I also talked about how Jesus, when he was talking about fasting, he said, you know, you fast, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. When he was talking about fasting, he was saying fasting, it moves us into something new. And when we hear the stories about fasting, we often hear about what comes out of it is something new, a new thing. And I think there's lots of new things happening in our communities. I think we're about to enter some new things for our church, and that's why I want us to consider learning to fast as we move forward. There can be a we component, or we learn to fast just because there might be a time when you yourself, just you, feel like, I'm supposed to fast. So we learn to fast so that we're ready to do it when it's time. Now today I want to talk about fasting because we can gain more spiritual power and authority when we fast. Now these first two weeks, this crisis mode, this spiritual power and authority, I don't think that those are the primary reasons a person should fast. The next two weeks, I'm going to get to what I think are the main reasons we should fast. But this is something that is the result of fasting. More power, more spiritual authority. But it's a little confusing, so let me, let me illustrate with the story before we get into our passages. So Jesus was away with a few disciples. He's with a few disciples, and the rest of the disciples are in the midst of something else. He comes onto the scene, and he sees this group of disciples arguing with the teachers of the law. What's going on? It's kind of a chaotic scene. And then a dad comes up and says, my boy is tormented by an evil spirit. Your disciples couldn't cast that demon out of him. Would you please do it? Jesus casts the demon out, and the boy is completely restored. This has been happening since he was a young age. He's completely restored. And afterwards, the disciples come to him and say, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says, this kind comes, only, comes out only by prayer. And if you look at your footnote, in almost all Bibles it will say, some manuscripts say prayer and fasting. This passage has always bothered me. Because I think to myself, like, what, what was going on? Were the disciples trying to cast this demon out without praying? And they're, oh, prayer, duh. I should have thought of praying. Or if it is supposed to be prayer and fasting, if that's how it's supposed to be understood, is it like they were eating a snack while they were casting him out? And Jesus was like, hey, I'm going to take a 10-minute break here and not eat. And now I'll come and do that. If, by the way, if that's it, that's my kind of fasting. Let's just do the quick fast. Let's do the 10-minute version and then do it. So he must be talking about something else, like a lifestyle, maybe a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Uh, could be what he's talking about. But even then, I'm a little confused. Like, do we as believers have authority over demons whether or not we fast? 
If we've never fasted, do we have authority over demons? The answer is yes. And it never talks about these disciples fasting in the Bible. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Actually, it does talk about why don't they fast. We'll come back to that in a couple weeks. But a few chapters earlier in Mark, Jesus says, or Jesus gives them authority to drive out demons. Then he sends them out, and it says they drove out many evil spirits, many demons, because they had authority with Jesus. You and I, if we are in Christ Jesus, if we've given our lives to Jesus, then we are raised with him in the heavenly realms, and all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And so we already, without ever fasting, have authority over demons. And at the same time, at the same time, when we fast, when we get into a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, our spiritual authority and what we realize can increase. I don't understand it either. But somehow I think both are true. And so to get into this dynamic, I want us to look at Luke Look at Jesus' life, again, as, as a model of, of why fasting. Not that we need to do it exactly like he did. He had, he's obviously unique uh, and had a unique call. But he might teach us something about the dynamics of when people fast, what happens. So in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, it says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. There's a few different things, by the way, I'm going to be a bit random today. There are bunny trails everywhere for me when I start talking about fasting. So... Bear with me. My prayer is just whatever's supposed to stick, sticks. It may not be in a linear line today. We're talking about Jesus' baptism. And just so you know, baptism in the Bible is referenced about the same amount of times as fasting. Like 60-some times each. I don't, we don't have anybody saying, like, I don't think baptism's really for today. I think that was just back in Jesus' time. I don't think baptism applies to everybody. But we do about fasting. Anyway, because we're, we're going to talk about Jesus right back to back, baptism and fasting. Now, why does Jesus get baptized, by the way? Because, you know, everyone was coming to John to repent of their sins and for forgiveness of sins. He was sinless. Jesus came to get baptized to identify with humanity. He was saying, I identify with humanity. I am going to take on what they deserve. I'm going to take on the life of humanity. He already was, but he's just symbolic. Just like when we come to get baptized, we are identifying with Jesus. We are saying, he is taking what I deserve. I want what he offers me in place. So he's getting baptized. And as he does, God says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then he began his ministry. God did not say, I am pleased with him because look at all the good things he's doing in ministry. And it's the same way with us, by the way. He says, these are the kids who I want to adopt into my family. I love them because they're my kids. It's not because they fasted. It's not because they've done this or that or not. I just love them. They're my kids. So that's, that's what starts it. And then he begins his ministry. Right from that point, 
It goes, and Jesus was the son, so thought, the son of Joseph, who was the son of this, the son of this, son of this, son of this, son of this, until it gets all the way to the son of Adam, the son of God. And the reason it's doing that is the writer is trying to compare. It's going to go into Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, and it wants you thinking in comparison to Adam being tempted in the garden, Adam and Eve being tempted in the garden. That's a totally different sermon. What I want you to realize, Jesus is baptized, and now here's what comes next. Verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was baptized, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. It's the first thing we hear about him after he's baptized, and he's in the wilderness. Verse 2, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil... He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. It does not say he was thirsty. It does not say he did not drink. I bring this up because some people were asking me today, can I drink? What, can I drink some? Can I have water when I fast? In the Bible, there is a few times where it says they didn't eat or drink. Those are always three days. You can't really survive without water for more than three days. But normally, there's also two, like, must be supernatural fasts, one by Moses, one by Elijah, 40 days of not eating and drinking. We'll leave those in a category of themselves. Most of the time, what the Bible is saying is don't eat. You can do a water fast. That's just drinking water. Or you can decide, you know, I'm going to do a liquid fast. I'm going to have some juice with this. Or if it's a little bit longer fast, I am going to have some chicken broth or protein drinks or whatever you decide. I mean, just... There's not like this is the only way it works. You just decide, like, okay, I'm not going to eat food for spiritual purposes for this amount of time, and I might incorporate these kind of drinks. That, that is partly how you do it. So, Jesus is fasting. Verse 3, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. He's quoting Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, it goes on to say, you know, man, a human being, doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, one thing to note is that this doesn't just apply to Jesus. You and I do not live by food alone. We're pretty well aware that if we don't have food, we don't live. We need food to live. We're less attuned to the reality that we need God's word to live. And when we fast, one of the things that it can help us learn is we need the word of God. We need spiritual resources for our souls to live, for us to be alive. We need more than just food to stay alive. And we learn that in fasting. I'm going to come back and make a couple more points about Jesus, but just one other passage that I want to look at, and that's from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to look at two verses in that. They are sandwiched between this. They're sandwiched between Paul, who's writing this letter to a church, and just a little bit of context, the church that he's writing to is wondering, even though Paul founded this church, should we really be listening to him? Because we got some other people who are saying, like, no, actually, they're the people we should be listening to. 
And Paul is, is in this long conversation where he's saying, I could tell you about credentials. I could tell you about who I've learned from, about how much obedience I have, about how I've kept the law. About, I could tell you about all kinds of things, but that's not what, why, where I get my authority. And right before these two verses, he says, I could tell you about having unbelievable revelations and visions, like being raised up to the third heaven and seeing the throne of God, about seeing things that can't even come into human words because he had. He had revelation. After these two verses, he says, and you yourselves know that I did signs, wonders, and miracles, all this spiritual power. That's what's coming from this person, Paul. But he says, none of that, none of that is why you should listen to me. That is not where I get my main credentialing. And that would, again, be another sermon, but these are two verses that I think are related to fasting and, and power. Chapter 12, verse 8 says, oh no, chapter 12, verse 9, thank you. But Jesus said to Paul, when he was saying, I'm having this really hard affliction in my life and I just want you to take it away, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will, not, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There is a certain kind of power from God that we are safe, are not safe with if we don't have some sort of weakness, awareness, vulnerability. There is something to having God's power rest on us and knowing it's God's power. And that we are weak helps demonstrate that and helps us steward it. Fasting will make us weak. Just physically speaking, it will make you weak for a period of time but it will make you strong spiritually. Going back to Jesus in the, in the wilderness, he's being tested by the devil, and the devil basically gives him three shortcuts. He says, you don't just turn the rocks into food. You can do it. You're God. You can do it. Just get up way up high and throw yourself down and then don't die. Have the angels come. You know that can happen because you're God. You can make that happen and everyone will know you're God. Everyone will know you're the one. It's a shortcut. Just bow down and worship me and I'll turn it all over. It's a shortcut. But no, Jesus took on weakness. Even though he was God, he laid aside these things and took on weakness as his way to make a way forward. And somehow in that, we are supposed to follow in being okay with weakness because we can rely on God's strength and power. It is a mystery to me, the correlation of fasting and power, of suffering and power. But there is some relation there that's found throughout the Bible. So I just offer that for you to consider. Now... I'm going to talk a little bit about my own journey of learning to fast. I do this with a little bit, with a lot of hesitation, but I just a sense that I should because one of the reasons that I learned to fast and how I learned to fast was hearing from people tell their stories about fasting, or I wouldn't have even considered it. I would have considered it just for super spiritual people, which I did not consider myself. 
So I will get more resources maybe on our website or let you know in the future. But if I was going to offer one thing to read on fasting, it would be, see how thick this is? It would be one chapter from this book. This is called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, and he has one of his 12 disciplines he talks about is fasting. I still go back to it all the time. It is what most helped me kind of get started. I've, I've read a ton on fasting, but this is what, what is most helpful to me. And one of the things that he talked about was just starting to practice it. So in my 20s, every once in a while, because we had like a big decision had to be made or something important was happening or I was feeling like, every once in a while, I might try to fast. Not really, no, I'm like, I'm not going to eat today. Or I'm at least not going to eat for a meal. It was just a very random approach. But then Richard Foster got me thinking about what if I practiced? What if I picked a day of the week and I just didn't eat lunch? Eat breakfast, don't eat anything until supper time. During lunch, I pray. So I tried that for a few weeks. My guess is, it's hard for me to remember, this is probably my late 20s, maybe right around 30. My guess is that I didn't do it like five weeks in a row. I did it a couple weeks and didn't do it. I know this. I know that I said I was going to fast certain days and then I didn't fast. The food had a calling to me. So then though, after a few weeks of that, then it was try a 24-hour fast. So now you eat breakfast and then you don't eat again till breakfast, or you eat lunch, and then you don't eat again till lunch. And so again, I tried that for a few weeks, not sure how consistent it was, not sure how, how many times I failed or didn't fail, but I tried it. And then it was, try 36 hours. Try getting up, not eating, and going all the way and going to bed, and then not wait until, until you break fast at breakfast the next day. So having done that for a while, Eventually, and I'm a little fuzzy on this, because I remember last week I told you the first time I tried a two-day fast, I got super sick on day two. I had to leave work. I was worthless. You know, for something that's supposed to be so super spiritual and helpful, I was like, this is ruining, this is ruining my life and my family's life today. doesn't seem like this could be possibly from Jesus. <laughs> Food does. Now... So I don't, I don't think, though, I think I tried that before I was into this practice thing. So eventually, I did a three-day fast. And I took a little time off of fasting. Then I did another three-day fast. And I just fast every once in a while. I don't remember. I know I, again, fail, not fail, do it for a few weeks, then not do it for a few weeks. But then eventually, I did a seven-day fast. And then took a little time off, then I did a 10-day fast. And this is all in the span of a year and a half, the 3, 7, 10, and then I went for the 21-day. I mean, I'm, I'm scared. Literally, I'm scared about doing this. This is no water fast for me either. Like, people would have to, I mean, I'm drinking fruit drinks, I'm drinking, like, does this have protein in it good? I mean, I'm, I'm doing things, but I was still way less calories and no food was getting chewed in my mouth. So, again, a little aside, how you come into a fast and out of a fast. To store up and eat a bunch before you do the fast is not a good idea. Like, that, that's, that's unhelpful. It just makes the fast harder. 
when you go through, unless you're only fasting one meal, and then I don't know if you're really fasting, if you're just trying to eat as much that you aren't even hungry anyway. But if you're doing anything a little bit longer, like it's probably best to get, get, not have sugar the day before you start fasting or some, some version of, you know, it's just easier if you have kind of ease into it instead of jump off the cliff. But what's even more important is when you're done, you don't just start eating. You don't just start eating. You maybe start with some fruit, except bananas. I'm getting too detailed now. But, you, you know, just a piece of toast, just... You start doing that, and then you gradually over, as if you've fasted for days, it might take days until you're back to normal. I knew that, and yet, in my wisdom, after the 21-day fast, we timed it so that the next day, the day I would start eating, was the day that Camille and I would leave on a vacation. In 15 years, she and I went on, other than like two days or three days, one vacation, just the two of us, that wasn't with family or other things, one vacation in 15 years. This was the time. And I broke the fast that day, and I had a few things, like I had some lunch. I was feeling okay. So we had this rich pasta meal that night. And then I spent the night in the bathroom instead of the bedroom. And I'm telling you, it was, I ruined the first couple of days of our vacation. Anyway. I've learned, like, it's worth it to, but everything tastes good when you're done fasting. Like, it just tastes so good. So then, anyway, I took, then I just took some time off of fasting. But I always had in my mind that I was supposed to do a 40-day fast. 40 days. I mean, I, I did the 21, no way, 40 days. But I kind of had this, like, I'm supposed to do it. And there was a saving grace some guys and I were talking this summer when I was thinking about doing, thinking it, I'm like, that can't be from God. It's probably just me being legalistic. Or, anyway, they agreed, let's do a 21-day fast. There's about 20 to 30 of us who decided we were going to do a 21-day fast. So I thought, like in the end, it was like five or six of us, and other people were like giving up video games or something for 21 days. But anyway... I mean, it's some people like fasted once a week during that time and gave up sugar or things, which is all great. But there's about five or six or seven of us who are, we did the 21-day fast. And right as we gather together for prayer and we're going to get this thing started, we get done and one of the guys comes up to me and he's like, this is awesome. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and I know that some of us are called to 40. I was like, no, 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 no. And I knew I was supposed to. And by the way, that guy didn't. He, he ended it at 21. I don't know what he was talking about, but at the 21 day, end of 21 days, before any of us re-emerged from our fast, we had communion together. It's the best communion I've ever had in my life. It's the only thing I ate in 40 days. We went to Camille's grandparents' 60th anniversary week vacation while I was in the days 30. You can't hide your fasting then. In fact, the, the biggest sadness of that 40 days was, yeah, well, then I felt bad and bad because Graham, it's hurtful to Graham. We're supposed to be celebrating her, right? Anyway, but I just knew I was supposed to do it, and I did it. And at the end of 40 days, I returned to church. Not any different as far as I could tell. Not necessarily in the power of the Spirit, I didn't see anything obvious. I don't remember anything that came out of those 40 days that was like... Now, in all that fasting, there were times that I sensed God doing things that were different than normal. But I didn't, there was not like some like, oh, now I'm spiritual. Now I'm right. No. 
So I will say this, I feel like in that period of time, I learned to fast. And I think that prepared me to handle harder things in life and to realize that there was strength available even when life was super duper hard. There was strength available to me. And so I have never fasted like that, you know, in these, this two or three year period like that, but I have fasted since then. Sometimes in regular fasts, sometimes that. And when I would encourage us, I'm not trying to get people to do extended day fasts. When I'm talking about learning to fast, I'm saying, can we figure out to do one-day fast, 24-hour fast, something like that? Can we learn that and incorporate that? Um, I, at the same time, I am convinced that when we fast, more happens in the spirit realm. I joked last week that I think fasting is a bad name for it because it goes so slow. But what it does happen is things accelerate in the spirit. Things accelerate in the spirit. And when I fast and I'm teaching on a Sunday, it's different in here. In fact, earlier this year, I, did, I didn't do a 10-day fast. I did 10 days in a row of fasting. So I had a little bit of breakfast and then I didn't eat again until the next day. I had a little bit of breakfast. And I did that. There's a reason I did it that way, but I did that for 10 days. So two of those days, I was up here preaching. Nobody except my wife and my kids knew I was fasting. Like, you can live normal. You can interact with people normal. You can smile normal. And you can do that. You can learn to do that. But I will tell you this. People were visiting the church. And I heard from someone else who people are visiting the church, they're part of another church, that they went back and reported to their church, something has happened at Celebrate. If I could pick two of the weeks that were most, things were happening, people, it was electric, people were reporting things, it was in those two days. It's not just when I'm fasting. I have noticed the same with other people I know who are fasting. Something is different. Now, that's just one person. Now, what I'm wondering about is, what if we learn to fast? Is there something that's going to happen? As we learn to fast, just a warning, some of us, it may feel like oppressive. But there is something being accomplished in it. So this week, on Monday, many, as far as I can tell, most, for all I know, it could be all, because several reported to me of our elders and staff, you know, 25 or 30 people, they fasted on Monday. And one of them came up to me and said, I fasted before, but today was super hard until we started praying together. Then it all lifted. Another one said, I don't know what it is about today. This is the easiest it's ever been in my life to fast. And I do know this, I'm putting more in. I'm reading more. I'm doing this lately, but this is the easiest. Could be either way. But people, there were things that happened just in that day. So let me just give you one example. So that day, one of the elders called me in the afternoon. And they said, I just want to tell you this story. This morning, a young man was talking to me, and a young man was going to make a decision that was just going to really shift his life, and I don't think it would have been good for him, but he just couldn't handle life. It's too much, too hard. And so I got talking to him, and I talked to him about prayer, and I asked him about prayer. By the end, this person had never known Jesus, hadn't followed Jesus, and he accepted Jesus as his Lord. And I said, hmm, and you're fasting today, huh? Yeah. Maybe that's a coincidence. 
I just know a lot more coincidences seem to happen when people fast or just after they fast. And so that's why I would like us to consider learning to fast. So on Wednesdays, on Wednesdays, for the next two weeks, from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., the building's open. This room's open, upstairs open. In the evenings at 6.30, there'll be live worship in the upper room. There's the prayer room. Come and pray. Whether you're fasting or not, come and pray. You can pick any day, but maybe you want to consider doing it on Wednesdays. Just try it, those of you who can, this week and or next week. Maybe you want to try it. Regardless, can I say this? Jesus moves with power. And he gives power to his people. And so as the worship team comes up and, and we move towards a close, this morning I'm, I've asked for a few extra prayer ministers to be available and for us to be able to receive prayer while we're closing in worship. After the service too, but while we're closing in worship. Um, so a few, I don't know, it was two, three weeks ago, uh, I said, after the service, Daniel Fatma is going on a mission trip. Whoever wants to come pray for Daniel Fatma, please come, come up after the service and pray. So a few of us got up there. Daniel actually decided to go get his family. So while we're waiting, somebody comes up to two, two people who aren't prayer ministers and just says, hey, I've got a few things to pray for prayer. So the two pray for this person. One of the things that they mentioned had to do with their knee. They emailed me a week later to say that by the time they got to the parking lot, they could feel that their knee was better, that they had been taking elevators leading up to that for weeks, and now they've been using stairs for the rest of the week. Maybe a coincidence, maybe two people who, as far as I know, weren't fasting, God just still moves in power. I'll tell you this, this morning, this room was filled with about 15 or 20 teenagers who were praying and worshiping this morning. I said, hey, can some of you come pray for me? And they put their hands on me, and they prayed for me. And I mean, I've got no reason to be emotional, but there's something that happened. And when I got done with that, I just thought, I cannot believe that our church won't come to receive prayer. I can't believe it. Half the time on Sundays, I look around, and the prayer ministers are standing there with nobody there, so I go get prayer. I mean, I'm benefiting from your lack of coming and getting prayer. And, and it's not like, oh, wow, electricity and all this. I just know my life is better because people pray for me. Can we just pray for ourselves and God just answer our own prayers? Absolutely, he can and he does, and we should. But is it different when someone else prays for us? Does something different happen when they come and they put their hand on our shoulder and they pray for us and we hear a voice and there's somebody that was with us? Yes, it is different. Is it different when we fast? Is there something different that happens? Yes, there is something different. Is there something different when we come together to pray than when we just pray on our own? Absolutely, that's what it says here. And I think sometimes it's like, oh, I just don't know if I should get prayer. I just don't know, should I? When in doubt, yes, unless you got it all together. Jesus responded to people who didn't care what everyone else thought. They just said, have mercy on me. I know I need help. Can I tell you the sickness and sadness and pain and evil we encounter, our humanity cannot bear on its own. 
We need resources beyond ourselves. We need God, and we need each other to bring God to each other. So come as you are. Come and get prayer. He is waiting for people to come to him. He is waiting. Let's pray. Prayer ministers can go to their spots in the corners. God, we remind ourselves today that you are gentle and humble in heart. Thank you that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Thank you that you don't treat us as our sins deserve. Thank you that you're not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Thank you that however far away it seems we've gone from you, you're always right there. It's always just one step back to you. I pray that we would sense your compassion for us this morning. And that with that compassion, you would release your power. Release your ability of what we need to be able to handle life. To be able to make it through. To be able to give ourselves away to others. As we worship and as we pray for these few moments now, would you meet us in this place? you tangibly meet us in this place.